Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy that is new every morning for us, your grace for the fact that you are so good to us. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would open it to us now and open our hearts and our minds to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, uh, Coldplay. We'll start with Coldplay today. Uh, Chris Martin is the lead singer of Coldplay, and he was raised as an Anglican. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, he's an Englishman, so the English count everybody as an Anglican in, you know, in their country, but he actually did go to church as a kid, and I actually have a friend who uh, uh, knows uh, a youth pastor in the UK. He's got a bunch of friends who do ministry in the UK, and one of them was Chris Martin's youth pastor, and uh, so... Chris Martin has some of this influence in his music. If you listen to Coldplay, you'll hear it every now and again. And uh, you can hear his time in the church coming through. And one of the most obvious times is in a song that he wrote called A Message. And it's from their X and Y album, which was from way back in 2005. But uh, it's a good one. Um, So the song is called A Message. And Martin took the opening lyrics from an old hymn. And the old hymn was titled, My Song is Love Unknown. And he adapted those lyrics for for his purposes. Uh, But the message is still the same in the song. He opens up the song saying, My song is love, love to the loveless shown. And it goes up, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone. This is the song our Savior sings to us. Love to the loveless shown. You don't have to be alone. And uh, I chose to talk about Coldplay instead of that hymn because, you know, the song is entitled A Message, and we are talking about hearing God speak to us. All right? So um, the hymn is great by itself, but Coldplay updated it for us. And uh, uh, we're talking about hearing God speak. And we've heard already last week uh, the foundation for everything else, which is the Bible hearing God speak to us through the Bible. We heard that he had moved on his people to write down their stories of God's faithfulness in their lives uh, for us, for the world to hear and to know. And what we hear this week, we're going to build on that. This week we're talking about hearing God speak through others. Hearing God speak through others. Uh, He has a message for us. God has a message. And he wants us to know it. To again, borrow from Coldplay, we're the target that he's aiming at, and he's going to get his message home. We are the target he's aiming at, and he's going to get his message home. Uh, Jesus, to do that, uses messengers. That's what he does. That's how he's chosen to work. He uses messengers to tell us, to give love to the loveless, to show love to the loveless. That's the commission of his disciples to be his messengers, his witnesses to the world. Each gospel account uh, testifies to this reality, that Jesus commissions his followers. And since our gospel reading is from Luke today, we're just going to go with Luke's version of the Great Commission. This is what Jesus says at the end of Luke. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. You are witnesses of these things. 
And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. He sends his followers as his witnesses to carry the promise of the Father to the world, namely repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. This is the commissioning of of the disciples from Jesus. This is how God has chosen to work. He wants us to hear about him from other people. And uh, he wants us to hear about him through what he's made. You know, he didn't waste his time when he created the world and when he created you and me. He uses the things that he makes. He doesn't waste it. And uh, he wants us to hear about him through us, his creation. And we actually talked about this the other night in our men's life group that meets on Tuesday nights. That's a plug for you if you don't have a life group. Uh, We've got a men's life group on Tuesday nights and many others that you can find uh, in my weekly email. But um, we asked this question, why did God do it this way? It came up. You know, one of our guys was saying, why didn't he come in a more dramatic manner so that everybody just knew? You know, so there weren't any questions. God could have sent Jesus just like everybody was expecting him to come. All the Jews were expecting him to come. Or he could have come blazing out of the clouds, you know, in front of legions of angels singing his praises. He could have done that. This magnificent display, like something out of a Marvel movie, you know. He could have done that, but he didn't. If he had done that, the logic we had in that night was, well, then we wouldn't need any convincing, would we? You know, it would just be so clear and there'd be no doubt. Why didn't he do that? Why did he choose instead to work through people as his messengers, through you and me? Well, the answer is in the message itself. He came, as we heard at the beginning here, uh, to forgive sins. He didn't come to prove that he was God. That's one of the interesting things about Jesus. We spend all this time arguing, you know, people disagree that he was the Son of God, and people want to spend all this time arguing that he never said that. He did, but he didn't actually come for that purpose, to say, hey, 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 I'm God. He didn't do that because he is God, and he doesn't have to worry about it. He knows who he is, okay? So he came to do something else. He came to actually forgive sins. And we heard last week that judgment is a real thing for us. The reality is is that every single person on earth is going to come face to face with Jesus at one point or another. That's what we heard last week when he talked about the people that will come saying, Lord, Lord, and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus is the judge, and we will all come face to face with him at some point. And uh, we're going to have to give an account for our life, no matter what we claim to believe. It's important to remember that when you get upset because it seems like somebody else is getting away with something. You know, I don't know if you've ever felt that. It's in the Bible. David himself writes about it. So, you know, if you ever sit there and get upset, and you're like, how come, God, you keep on picking out my stuff? When Jimmy is like off doing whatever the heck he wants. This is all autobiographical. Um, So anyway, uh, he disciplines those he loves. All right. Um, But, uh, you know, if you've ever felt that way, just remember that nobody actually gets away with anything. That's actually the truth. It may seem like we're getting getting away with it for a while, but nobody gets away with anything. We will all have to come stand before the Lord at some point. And it's important to remember that for yourself, too, when you think you're getting away with something. Uh, You know, if you are living a secret life, 
um, which, as Waterdeep sings, everybody's got a secret life. And um, the Lord, in his mercy, exposes those things before we stand before him. Those were all an aside, but the plain fact is that God, that Jesus is God, and everybody will come face to face with him. And he's not insecure about who he is. He didn't come having to defend himself. He's not an insecure person. He is the definition of security. He knows who he is, and he comes to show us forgiveness. He doesn't go around doing flashy things to prove himself. That's the way we probably would function. I would. You know, I'd like to show off a little bit. You remember that movie Bruce Almighty when Jim Carrey gets the powers of God and he separates his milk in his breakfast bowl? I would probably do that wherever I went. (laughs) Anyway, that's how we would operate, but that is never the MO of Jesus. We see him repeatedly in the Gospels uh, come, and he comes in these completely unexpected ways. He keeps on moving in these strange, humble ways. First is that he comes in the most vulnerable, unassuming way by being a baby born to a poor teenage girl. And then he lives this quiet, unassuming life for 30 years. Just works as Jesus down the street. You know, you know Jesus, son of Joseph. He's a carpenter. He's just a quiet, unassuming guy. Until he begins his ministry for the last three years of his life. And even then, when he's in public, you know, he's gone public. Whenever he performs a miracle or heals someone, what does he often do? He tells them, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. What a strange thing to do. He doesn't bring a lot of attention to it because some big display of divinity was not why he came. He knew knew who he was and he knew why he came. He came to forgive sins. And he tells people not to tell anybody yet because his time had not yet come. His time, his purpose, was to go to the cross. That's what he wanted people to have their attention drawn to. He came to give love to the loveless. And it was never going to look the way that any of us expected, you know. It was the greatest act of humility ever. And it was also the most heroic moment ever. But we don't recognize it as such often. We are looking for Thor, right? Or we're looking for Superman, which I don't know if you know, but Superman is actually uh, based off of a a messiah. It was the idea of what the messiah was going to be. It was written by... (laughs) The character was developed by a Jewish guy, and they thought this is going to be the Messiah, Superman version of God. That's what we think. We even try to do this with Jesus, and I've got a picture for us to look at. Nicole's going to show it to us. There. All right. So we take Jesus, and we make him ripped out and strong, and he's hanging on the cross, and he's literally breaking it with his massive muscles. All right. I did not draw this. This, was, this is out there for you to find. Somebody came up with this, and you know they were well-intended. But this is what we think we want. You know, we think we want some big, bold hero. But this is actually the opposite of what happened. This is the opposite of the message. He didn't break the cross. The cross broke him. He died. He suffered for us. He shed his own blood so that we might be forgiven. Hebrews 9 is very clear about this. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus came not like this. He came humbly because he was going to give up his life for us. You can go back to the other slide so it's not distracting anybody anymore. Um, 
Jesus came to save us from the fact that we rejected him. That's actually what happens at the cross, all right? These two things collide at the cross. Our ultimate rejection of him and his grace, that's what the cross is. We killed him. We put him to death. I heard a theologian say once, you know, people talk about making a decision for Christ. And he said, we all did make a decision. We decided to go get some wood and get some nails and nail him to a cross. That's what we've done. When he came offering forgiveness, we killed him for it because of our sin. And yet, it is also the greatest act of love and grace ever known. It is how he chose to save us, through that rejection. He actually redeems it and turns it into the means of salvation for you and me. He died in our place. He came to give love to the loveless. Love to the loveless shown. And I've laid all this out because this is our message. This is the message he's trying to get through. He wants us, his followers, to carry this, this promise of the Father to the world. It's like one of those uh, hair commercials, okay? This is why he uses us, okay? You know the hair commercials where it's, uh, I'm not just the president of the hair club for men, I'm a client. You know, it's like one of those things, or it's what we do with everything. You've got to try this, this new diet. It's a cleanse diet I'm on, which we've also talked about at our men's life groups. And, um, you know, you're on this cleanse diet. It's really healing. I feel great. I feel amazing. I've lost weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or you've got to see this new show. I love it. It's changing my perspective on blah, blah, blah. You know, we want testimonies. We want to hear from people who have already experienced it. That's how we then try something new often. You know, think of the reviews on Amazon, something like that. We want to hear it from others. Who better to tell you about the forgiveness of sins than a forgiven sinner? If somebody perfect came to you and said, I don't need this, I've never had any problems in my life, but you should check it out. I mean, how's that going to make you feel, right? (laughs) You're going to hate that person. But if someone comes to you and says, I was shattered and I've been caught, and Jesus loved me, then you're going to want what that person has. And this is what's happened in our lives. This is why we're here. This is what's happened in our life, that someone told you about Jesus. Someone told you about him, gave you a Bible to read. Someone invited you to church. Somebody whose life had been changed and impacted by Jesus and his death for them and his resurrection wanted you to know. It's because he always sends messengers. And his way works. You're proof of it. You're sitting here right now. Him sending that little ragtag bunch of people out to go tell others about him has spread across the world. And we see this pattern play out in our gospel reading today. We actually see him doing this through Simeon. Simeon meets Jesus as a baby, right, in this story. And Luke tells us that Simeon was a righteous and devout guy waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And right there, we already see that Simeon has heard about Jesus coming. He's waiting for him to come. So he has been told. He has heard the scripture read clearly, probably from worship, you know, while he's in the temple. He's a faithful Jew. So he's waiting for the Messiah And it says that the Spirit was upon him, so God himself is speaking to him. 
He knew God's promises that God would send a Savior, and he wants, he wants to see it. And then the Spirit tells him specifically, which we're going to hear more about next week, that God actually speaks to us through the Spirit. Um, but the Spirit tells him that he would see the Christ before he died. And we can infer from that that Simeon was probably waiting for a long time because he's worried that he's going to die before Jesus gets there, right? He's probably an old man. And yet God promises him that he'll see them. It's God's promises that give Simeon the faith to wait, this message from the outside. And then when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to dedicate him to the Lord, as the law stipulates, Simeon was given faith to recognize Jesus for who he was. God made good on his promise. Remember what we said already. Jesus doesn't need to prove who he is. He is who he is. And he knows that the Father will reveal that to whoever he wants. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal to those he wants who Jesus is. And Simeon is one of those people. And Simeon does just what Jesus would later tell his disciples they would do. He proclaims Jesus to the people there. And it's Jesus' own parents. You know, he says, Lord, you're letting me die in peace now, according to your word. For I have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your own people of Israel. Simeon proclaims Jesus. He preaches him right there. And he proclaims that Jesus is going to have a much bigger impact than he or anybody else ever thought. He's not just the consolation of Israel, which consolation means the comfort, right? He's not just going to be the consolation of Israel, but he's going to be salvation for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, you and me, and glory for your people in Israel. He's proclaiming how big Jesus is going to be, what his salvation is going to mean. And Joseph and Mary, we hear marvel at this, even though they'd already been told. This comes just after we hear the birth accounts. They've been both told by angels, and then the shepherds came who were also told by angels, and then now Simeon's telling them again. And so this tells us something else about the way God speaks to us. Remember, he's got, you're the target that he's aiming at, and he's going to get his message home. When God wants you to know something, he doesn't just tell you once. I mean, that's what the Bible is. It is book after book after book of God telling you about himself. And how many people in your life have come to you and talked to you about the Lord? When he wants you to hear something from him, he tells you again and again. He sends more than one messenger. He sent multiple angels to tell uh, Joseph and Mary. And now he sends Simeon. You can have confidence in that, that God is never going to leave you in the lurch. Have you ever wondered, you know, God, do you have a... You're going to do something with me? Do you have a plan for my life? Like you feel aimless or something? You don't know where things are going to go, and you're just wondering if God's ever going to speak to you. Somehow that you're not getting it, you're missing it. Well, the scriptures testify that when he wants you to know, he will speak. And he's going to speak through the word. He's going to speak through other people. And he's going to speak to your heart directly. You can have confidence that he'll get his message home. And Simeon goes on to tell Mary about the cross. He doesn't even fully know what he's saying here. The Holy Spirit is speaking through him. He's probably not going to live to see it. We can assume he's saying, I'm going to die in peace now. 
But he goes on to tell Mary about how Jesus would do these things. He says, uh, he begins to prepare Mary. This is another thing that we see the Lord doing. He is merciful in the way that he speaks to us. He prepares Mary for this awesome call that her little baby boy is going to walk in. I mean, he's just a tiny little baby at this point. And what it's going to mean for her. He says that the fate of everyone will hang upon their reaction to Jesus. They will either fall or rise, depending on how they react to the Lord. Jesus is the only way to be saved. We see that reality of judgment again here, but we also see that he's going to be rejected. That's the way he's going to do it. Simeon says, the sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. His death would expose the rejection of God in our hearts, what we talked about earlier. His death will expose that so that he can forgive it. Putting himself through it for us, through that death. And for Mary, Simeon adds that a sword is going to pierce your own soul. She would have to walk this unique walk of being his mother and watching him suffer rejection and death for us, by us, and for her. She needed him to go to the cross. What we see here in this passage through Simeon is that God always tells us what he wants us to know. He sends messengers so that we might know his goodness, so that we might hear about him. And he sends people who have received from him already. People that know he's good, that testify to his goodness because they have received it. They can speak with authority because they have been forgiven. They know his mercy. Forgiveness of sins only matters to sinners, as we've heard. Salvation is only good news for the lost. It's the loveless who need love. And thank God his message comes. Thank God he speaks to us. We see that his message has conviction in it. It cuts straight through to the core, but it doesn't end there. It's a sword that pierces our heart, but it doesn't end there. He cuts through like that so that we might actually see him for who he is. So that we might actually hear the good news that Jesus' message is ultimately about resurrection. It is ultimately about new life. My song is love, love for the loveless shown. Hear it today. Hear it again. I need to hear it every day. We never tire of this message. He never stops saying it. That's the good news. Hear it again today, that Jesus Christ has come for you, and he's died for you, and he's risen again for you that he extends his love to you. And in hearing that, the amazing thing that happens is, is that now you become his messenger. Because you have received the message. Now he's sending you to go. He's sending you to go out and tell others that Jesus Christ has come to die for them, that he came and he saved them from their sins. He's sending you with that promise of the Father. Remember? I'm sending you with the promise of the Father upon you. You have that. 
The promise of the Father is upon you. No one can take it from you, but you can give it away to whoever you meet. And that is good, good news. Salvation for all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles, and glory for his people Israel. He sends you to, for, to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. And I encourage you, encourage you to do it. Don't be afraid. Because he sends you with his Holy Spirit to get that message home. He promises he's going to be the one to use it to change hearts. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for coming for us. And Lord, for giving us the loveless your love. We thank you for forgiving our sins. We thank you for promising new life, Lord, and we thank you for using others to speak to us, to tell us about you. I pray, Lord, that you would make uh, us those messengers, that you would use us to share the good news of you with those who need to hear it. And I pray, Lord, that we would get to enjoy the beauty of watching someone come to know you. So we, we thank you for this, Lord, today. We ask that you keep all of this uh, good news about your love for us firmly fixed in our hearts and our minds this week as we go out from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.